Welcome to Theories of the Third Kind. Welcome to Theories of the Third Kind. My name is Aaron. The other host joining me is Daniel Sun. Hello. Now, before we start today's episode, we do have a quick announcement to make. If you would like to support the show, you can do so by joining our Patreon. For just $5 a month, enjoy weekly Patreon-exclusive episodes and access to our extensive back catalog of over 190 Patreon episodes that are all ad-free. You can now sign up to our Patreon via Spotify by going to our podcast on the Spotify app and clicking on the banner that says Exclusive Episodes for Subscribers. I know things are tough out there right now, so if you can't afford a Patreon membership, but you want to help us out, then you can leave us a written review on iTunes or Spotify. However, don't feel pressure to leave us one. If you don't want to, then that's fine. We just want you guys, girls, aliens, reptilians, Bigfoot, Sasquatches, Chupacabras, ghosts, Illuminati members, underground lizard people, whoever or whatever you are to enjoy the show. Also, remember, our content is entirely human-made. No AI was involved or harmed in the process. And that is the end of our announcements. So with that being said, let's get into today's episode. In 1977, residents of a northern Amazon jungle village reported being attacked by glowing orbs. Some call it a secret military operation, encounters beyond Earth, or even advanced human experimentation. Was this operation a clandestine government response to genuine UFO encounters, an attempt to decipher their origins and intentions? Or does it represent a complex web of disinformation and misdirection designed to conceal deeper truths about the unexplained. In this exploration, we uncover the classified files, scrutinize eyewitness accounts, and navigate between fact and fiction, seeking to uncover the truth. This is Operation Saucer. Now, when you talk about Brazil and UFOs, a lot of people will automatically talk about what happened back in 1986, which is called the Night of the UFOs. And if you aren't familiar with that, it's pretty much where in 1986, a lot of UFOs were seen all around Brazil. This lasted for over seven hours and became one of the most credible UFO encounters in history, with multiple citizens seeing them in the skies and even five military pilots chasing at least 21 of them. So like I said, this was called the Night of the UFOs, and we actually covered this as a Patreon episode around a month ago on December 6th. However, what many people don't realize is that almost 10 years prior, multiple citizens in Brazil had UFOs actually attack them, with some of them even sucking their blood. Now, during this period, the Brazilian Air Force began investigating it, and multiple people stated that the Air Force was trying to cover up something. However, before we get into that theory, 
let's first talk about the story itself and how it all started. Now, before we get into that, we are going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. All right, welcome back. Let's first talk about the story itself and how it all started. So Dan, can you start that off for us? So this entire story starts off on April 26, 1977, near the island of Crabs. That's right, Crabs. Now, if you don't know where the island of Crabs is at, it's okay, because Aaron will explain it real quick, because I have no clue where that is. All right, so I want you to envision the United States. If you go south, you have the continent of South America. Now, the largest country in South America is Brazil. So along the northeastern part of Brazil is the state of Maranhão. This state is made up mostly of dense Amazon rainforest and beaches along the Atlantic Ocean. And we actually have a map of Brazil for you to take a look at. And it's got a little red mark where that state is at. Oh, that's very small over there. Yeah. So in this state is also multiple islands. Now, the second largest island is Crab Island. This island is surrounded by mangroves, and the center of it is fields and lagoons. There is an abundance of animals on this island, such as ducks, snails, jaguars, monkeys, snakes, large crabs, and many other animals, which makes it a suitable area for hunting. Now, even though this island has a ton of animals, no one lives on that bitch. And you know why? It's because it is covered with mosquitoes. And everyone I know hates mosquitoes. No one's like, oh, I love mosquitoes. I love when they bite me. Absolutely not. Everybody hates it. Now, this island is only visited by fishermen and crab collectors. So I do have multiple other maps. The maps of the state where you can see the island. And it has a little red dot on it for you to locate it. And then another zoomed in version of that island of crabs right there for you to take a look at so you know exactly where it's at. And all of these photographs will be on our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com, under today's episode. Nice. All right, so that is the island of crabs. And like, you know, we previously stated, this entire story starts off on April 26, 1977, on this island. It was a little after midnight, and four fishermen were sitting in their small boat. Suddenly, the men noticed a bright light in the distance heading towards them. Within seconds, this intense ball of light was hovering in the sky above the boat. The men in the boat just stood there, looking up into the sky, staring at this ball of light. All of a sudden, the ball of light fired off beams of light towards the men, burning several of them. So out of the four fishermen, three were hit by this light, receiving injuries from it. These injuries were so bad that one of them actually died. Now, this incident would be the first of many to come. However, since the internet was not around yet, and this area of Brazil was sort of isolated, this report, along with many others, pretty much remained local. But that would quickly change. So in June of that year, several newspapers from outside that region began hearing about these encounters and running stories about them. For example, one of the main stories in the newspapers described an unidentified device that would stun individuals with a light jet and then remove their blood. This news story also stated that several strange Y-shaped crafts with a, and I quote, flame at the bottom had been seen by thousands of people. 
and that local residents did not dare to leave their homes in the evenings because they were afraid of these strange crafts picking them as their next victim and, I quote, burning them with great heat. After this news story was published, a local mayor who had been dealing with similar strange objects in the sky had contacted the Aeronautics Command in Sao Louis. This mayor stated that he had read the news story about the odd objects and that his town had been experiencing multiple strange objects as well. The mayor went on to say that the objects do not emit any sound. They are very bright and look similar to a fireball in the sky. They are sometimes so bright that they make nighttime look like daytime. That's how bright they are. Also, these objects are extremely fast and they follow people throughout the village. One time, it even chased a fishing boat and left multiple individuals on the fishing boat sick. These fishermen had a fever for several days and their eyes were even burned. And this was after encountering this orb of light. Now, the aeronautic command ended up making a report of what the mayor stated. The command center then sent this report to Berlin Air Force Base, in which the Brazilian Air Force took note and told the command center not to worry about it. However, the UFO activity was just getting started. So you all remember the Island of Crabs and where it was located, right? Yeah. Well, I want you to go 42.6 miles northwest of that island, and there is a town called Pinero. Now, in this town is where the next UFO incident would occur. So it was early July of 1977, only two months after the Island of Crabs incident with the fishermen. So in this town, there was a farm that had 26 workers putting up a fence. It was around nighttime and the owner of the farm made the workers stay, saying that he wanted the fence finished that night. So needless to say, the workers were having some issues being able to see at night putting up this damn fence. Now, a lot of the workers were getting hungry and knew that it would take a majority of the night to finish the fence. Due to this, they decided to send one of the workers to a nearby river to catch some fish so that they could have dinner whenever the fence was completed. So one of the workers went to the river and began fishing. As he sat there on the riverbank fishing, he noticed a blue and white glowing light appear in the sky overhead. This freaked him out. He dropped all of the fishing poles and took off running back towards the group of men working on the fence. As he was running, this strange glowing light began following him. And it also started casting a blue glow to the ground below it. The workers noticed this light and then saw their friend running at them going, ah! The workers just stood there, sort of frozen in shock. This orb stopped before reaching the 26 men and just hovered near them for about 45 minutes before flying away. A few days after this incident, a 41-year-old man, along with two friends, were fishing in a river nearby. Around 1 a.m., three men stated that a large glowing object suddenly appeared in front of their boat in the sky above them. This glowing light was described as looking similar to a large craft, but was red in the middle and had a light blue-green color on the outer edges. The glowing orb-like craft lowered itself down towards the boat and then passed close by it. As the orb passed by, an immense amount of heat started coming from it, which caused the men to turn their backs towards the orb. After the orb passed, 
it ended up disappearing in the distance. Several days later, all three men reported having intense burns along their backs. So the same night that this incident occurred, almost 200 miles southeast of Pinero, in the town of Matias Olympio, something similar happened. So like we said, that same evening, an individual named Antonio was sitting in his house, just relaxing, when all of a sudden he was like, damn, I gotta take a shit. <laughs> That's exactly what he said. Now, Antonio didn't have plumbing in his house, so he had to go outside and walk to his outhouse. So as Antonio was walking towards his outhouse, he noticed a glowing red object hovering in the sky above him. Antonio was immediately terrified upon seeing this object, so he turned around and started running back towards his home while screaming for his wife. <laughs> Sorry, I know it's not funny, but when you think about it, it's kind of funny. Before he could reach the door, Antonio fell to the ground. Now, before we get into that, we are going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. All right, welcome back. Before he could reach the door, Antonio fell to the ground. His wife, who was standing at the doorway confused as to why her husband was yelling her name and running towards the door and was just standing there staring at him. After a few moments, she decides to open the door, reach down, and pulled him into the house. Now, as she was pulling his limp body into the home, her husband came to and noticed that there was an intense burning sensation on his back, arms, and legs. Now, this burning sensation would last for the rest of the evening, despite his wife constantly applying cold compresses to his back, arms, and legs. It, it didn't matter. Nothing could get this burning sensation to go away. Following this incident, the local news ran a story stating that in that area of Brazil, around 90% of the people the news station spoke with had seen these odd-looking UFOs. Also, a lot of the fishermen in the area were refusing to go out due to these objects burning them. Following this news report, many other incidents occurred, with the most brutal one taking place only a week later in mid-July. So one evening in mid-July, a farm worker named Alfredo Marquez Sorez was walking to his friend's house who lived nearby. As Alfredo was walking along, he felt a sudden pain in the back of his leg. He turned around to see, hey, did a snake bite me? Did I get like some stickers or something stuck in my leg? What's wrong? But when he turned around, he immediately noticed a glowing yellow and white object in the sky above him. At the same time, Alfredo began feeling a pulling sensation and tried to move, but realized that he couldn't move his legs at all. Alfredo started to get pulled towards the object, but was able to grab a hold of a nearby fence post. It was at this point that he started noticing that this object was emitting waves of intense heat, and then cold, and then heat again. Hot, and then cold, and then hot, and then cold, and all of this was coming from that orb. Mm. So this heat and cold was continuous and it would continually hit him in the face over and over again as he clung to this fence post. Also, Alfredo stated that the light coming from this object was so intense that he kept his eyes completely closed because he was afraid of opening them and the orb making him blind. That's how bright it was. He was Damn. like, if I open my eyes, this orb's gonna, you know, burn out my retinas. After a few moments, the pulling sensation that was coming from the craft stopped. Alfredo was able to move his legs, so he let go of the fence post and began running away. 
he eventually took shelter under a cashew tree and watched as the orb ascended higher into the sky and then disappeared. When Alfredo got home, he noticed that his leg was still burning. So he pulled up his pants leg and decided to examine it. That is when he noticed that it was bruised so bad that it was completely black and purple. For the next few days, Alfredo would suffer from intense stomach pain and back pains and would have numerous bouts of diarrhea, is what it stated. Ooh. Said he was just sitting on the toilet all day long. I feel you, bro. Also, his legs developed blisters all over them and became severely infected. For the next three months, Alfredo would need crutches to walk. However, he would fully recover from this incident. So news of Alfredo's encounter would make its rounds with the news stations, and around the same time, an individual named Jose Boga would come forward with a story of his own. Jose stated that a few days before Alfredo had seen his orb, that he would have an encounter of his own. In mid-July, at around 1 a.m., Jose left his home and was heading towards the bus station for a trip that he had planned months prior. As Jose was walking towards the bus station, he noticed a glowing blue and green object just hovering in the middle of the road in front of him. He watched the glowing object for a few seconds, and then all of a sudden, a strange beam of light emerged from it towards him. Jose then stated that the next thing he remembers is being in a strange room that was unfamiliar to him. All around him were several small creatures apparently going about their business. Then all of a sudden, these strange creatures grabbed him, moved him to another strange area. Jose then stated that after that, all he remembers is waking up, lying on the ground. He checked his watch, and it was around 8.30 in the morning, and he was several miles away from the bus stop. The next thing he noticed is that he had an intense amount of pain running down the right side of his body. Jose would continue to have this pain for the next few weeks. Now, another odd thing worth mentioning is that Jose stated before this incident that he had issues with his hearing and he couldn't see very well. After this incident, he was able to see and hear perfectly fine. So it was like these weird creatures fixed him. Yeah, which I found kind of odd. Uh, how do I find them so they can fix my hearing and seeing? Yeah, I'd like to not have glasses all the time, but... Yeah, my eyesight sucks. I need to come across one of these orbs. I'll take a little bit of pain just for the good eyesight. All right, so that was Jose's account. And just like the majority of these other accounts, a lot of them happened in July of that year. And another individual actually came forward and decided to tell their story about what they were experiencing. A woman named Ana Celia Oliveira, who lived in the area and had six children, God damn, oh, told the local news about not only what she had been experiencing, but her entire village. Anna stated, and we quote, People and animals were attacked. There was no food. Terrible lack of food. No one was fishing. People would not go out to their vegetable gardens for crops. Everybody tried to go around in large groups. Nobody wanted to be left alone. At 6 o'clock, when it got dark, when we would go to sleep, groups of as many as 50 to 60 women and children would get together in one house. The men would stay awake all night. They lit bonfires and banged on pots and pans to make noise to scare the UFOs away. People began to shoot in the sky 
to scare these UFOs away. End quote. So that is what Anna reported to the local news. Shortly after that report, in August of that year, these sightings began to increase. However, they started to become more odd. For example, individuals started reporting that a strange light would appear far away in the distance. The light would then move towards the individual and then eventually engulf them in this light. This light would paralyze them and would also cause intense pain. While paralyzed, these strange entities standing in this light would have another beam emerge from the beam itself and hit the individual on a part of their body, such as their leg or arm. This secondary beam is where these strange entities would take samples of blood from. These reports started to become so frequent that a local mayor ended up coming forward and publicly stating, and we quote, The people are terrified because this beam of light has already assaulted several people. Every night, our whole community is packing into only three houses, praying and singing religious songs so that these objects do not attack us anymore. End quote. Of course, reports of these blood-sucking orb sightings around this area lasted all throughout August. One notable sighting occurred the following month in September. So in early September, a 44-year-old fisherman named Manuel Oliveira, along with several other fishermen, were walking towards their fishing boats. All of a sudden, an umbrella-shaped object appeared in the sky hovering above them. The men stated that there was no sound coming from the object. After standing there and just staring at this object for a few minutes, a strange white light shot out from the craft's underside and the object moved away from the men. Now, this wasn't the only report, because at the same time, an individual named Sebastio Miranda and his wife Palmira were nearby standing in front of their church. It was around 8 p.m., and all of a sudden they saw an intense orangish light coming from the sea towards the town. As it approached them, it climbed and then moved rapidly, vanishing towards the inner part of the island. Now, just like Manuel and Sebastio and his wife Palmira, three other women were nearby, except they were walking towards their home. All of a sudden, all three women saw a strange orb in the sky above them, and then they were suddenly hit with a strange beam in their chest, sucking their blood from them. Reports of these blood-sucking orbs started to appear nonstop throughout the region. Many of these individuals who had experienced this had up to eight small holes in their arms and were missing up to 300 milliliters of blood. Also, the majority of the time the individuals would accidentally hurt themselves trying to escape these strange objects, like they would accidentally run into cars, buildings, break the legs or arms, etc. They would definitely uh, do whatever they could to get away from these objects. That's kind of scary, blood-sucking orbs, man. Yeah. And as we were looking into this, we noticed that there was a ton more of these reports. And this next section that we're going to get into is actually multiple accounts from individuals who experienced this blood-sucking orb in September and early October of that year. So the first account comes from a 49-year-old man named Carlos Di Paula. So Carlos stated that he was just laying in his hammock, smoking a cigarette, when a ball of fire came out of nowhere and burst into his home. 
this strange ball that went round and round the room finally stopped and landed on his leg. Carlos stated, and I quote, After it landed on my leg, I started to feel sleepy. My cigarette fell from my hand, and I came to and let out a yell. As Carlos screamed out due to the pain of the dropped cigarette, the glowing ball vanished from the room. Carlos stated that he believed the orb was searching for a vein in his body, but was unsuccessful due to him screaming and scaring it. So yeah, that was the first account. And I found that kind of odd because in all of these reports, the orb varies in size. Sometimes it's as big as a helicopter and other times it's as small as a bouncy ball, just like this account from Carlos. It's very odd. All right, so the next account comes from a fishing net repairman named Ramundo Costa. So at around 4 a.m. one morning, Ramundo and his friends were fishing on Cajajero Beach. Ramundo stated that all of a sudden, his friend yelled, there it is, and then took off running. Ramundo stood there confused as to what was going on. Then as he looked up, he could see an object, roughly the size of a helicopter, but it made no sound whatsoever. As he stood there, shocked at what he was seeing, a light similar to a searchlight emerged from the craft and began making sweeping motions on the beach. Ramundo described the light as bluish in color and illuminated the ground underneath it. At this point, Ramundo said, F this, and started running in the direction that his friend took off to. Both of them stated that they managed to escape the orb and its blue light. And that right there is the second account which I thought was very weird and similar to the movie that we watched this past weekend. The Creator. Oh, yeah. That AI movie. What the hell was that thing called? Nomad. Nomad, that's right. North America's offensive machine alternate defense or some shit like that. Yeah, something like that. It's a great movie, The Creator. Great movie. Kind of long, but pretty good. Give that kid a fucking award. Oh, God, that kid was such a great actor. I almost cried. Yeah, almost. <clears throat> yeah. All right, so let's talk about this next account, which comes from a woman named Claudio Mira. Now, before we get into that, we are going to take a quick break. This is our last one, so don't go anywhere. All right, welcome back. So one evening in early October, a woman named Claudio Mira decided to take a nap. During her nap, she was awoken to a bizarre green glow that completely covered her entire home. This green glow slowly turned into a red color. And by the way, when I say woke up, she was laying in bed. She opened her eyes and noticed, what the hell? That her entire room was just covered in this green glow. And she just sat there for a few seconds and then the green glow turned to red. So that's where it's at in the story, okay? As Clodomir sat up in her bed, she stated she could see a creature standing in the corner of her room. Claudemira stated that the creature looked similar to a man. It was wearing a jumpsuit, green in color, and he had a pistol in his hand and pointed it right at her. The pistol then shined a bright light out of it three times, striking her in the chest three times. She stated that where she got shot at, it felt like needles piercing her and that it was hot to the touch which, by the way, was in her chest. Also, after she was shot, she could not move her legs at all. She was paralyzed. She then woke up hours later, still in her bed, 
Initially, she thought that maybe it was a dream. However, she had burn marks on her chest in three small circles in a triangular shape where she got shot at. The next day, Claudio Mira was sent to the Medical Institute in Berlin for examinations. All right, so that was the third account. And those three are just a few of the accounts that occurred in the area during that period. And there were hundreds more. And when I say hundreds, I'm not exaggerating. There were hundreds more. There was a ton of them, for sure. As a matter of fact, there was so many that in November of 1977, the locals started to get extremely frustrated that the government was not doing anything about it. Even the mayor of Berlin, which was the town nearby, was starting to get frustrated. So one evening, after being hounded all day by the locals and them asking him to do something, an incident occurred that sent him over the edge. The mayor was just trying to relax at his home, trying to forget all about these UFOs. He stepped outside with his son to watch the night sky when all of a sudden they witnessed a large yellowish UFO cross the night sky. Minutes later, the village's power went completely out and the mayor and his son just stood there. <laughs> Can't even enjoy the night sky. So over the next 15 minutes, three large lights flickering on and off, slowly flew over the village and the surrounding areas. Now, when these large lights disappeared is when the power came back onto the village. At this point, the mayor had enough. He decided to reach out to the military and demand that they do something about it. So what the mayor did not know is that the Brazilian government had already started an investigation into these reports. It was called Operation Saucer, or a.k.a. Operation Plate. So from October 1977 to May of 1978, intelligence agents from the Air Force Base in Berlin in northern Brazil interviewed hundreds of witnesses in about 30 different villages. Many of the people had been burned by rays of lights from UFOs that had swarmed the area. Now, during the investigation, the agents themselves saw UFOs numerous times and even took hundreds of photographs as well as hours of videotapes. Now, during this time, this investigation was not made public. It was kept classified until 2005, when through the Freedom of Information request that this information was released to the public. This information verified that there was indeed something in the skies of Brazil that was terrorizing the public, causing severe burns to some of them, and even reports of two verified deaths caused by these objects. However, these reports did not state as to what these objects were, but there were a lot of theories as to what they could have been. But before we get into the theories section of this episode, we are first going to get into our strange facts and findings and discuss some of the weird things that we uncovered while researching this topic. So Dan, can you tell us about our first strange fact and finding? So our first strange fact and finding is about a doctor. So there was a local doctor named Walade Carvalho, who was the one training the majority of the victims of these UFO orb encounters. Dr. Carvalho went on record stating that she took blood samples and concluded that the victims of these UFO orbs suffered from generalized hyperthermia, superficial chronic headaches, burnings, nausea, tremors in the body, giddiness, and presented very small punctures in the skin where they were hit by the beams. 
Dr. Carvalho stated that these symptoms are odd because they are regularly seen in patients undergoing chemotherapy when their blood becomes weakened by the radiation. Also, she stated that all of the victims had suffered lesions to the face or the chest area. She also stated that the lesions looked like radiation injuries. They would start off with just the reddening of the skin in the affected area. Later, the hair would fall out and their skin would turn black. Also, there was no pattern of victims. All of them were men and women of varying ages. In total, the doctor claimed to have taken care of 35 individuals who were touched by this strange light from the orbs. The doctor went on record saying, and we quote, Most of the victims that I cared for claimed that they were immediately immobilized when the orb of light hit them. The beam that hit them was around 7 or 8 centimeters in diameter and white in color. It was as if a heavy weight was pushed against their chest when it hit them. When they tried to scream, no sound would come out, but their eyes remained open. They stated that the beam felt hot, similar to a cigarette burn. After a few minutes, the column of light would slowly retract and disappear. Most of their symptoms would disappear after seven days. End quote. And that right there is our first strange fact and finding. Hmm. So we have a doctor on record who's the doctor of the villages around the area stating that, hey, I've seen 35 victims and they all look like they've had radiation treatment. Yeah. Very odd. Radiation gun. All right. So let's get on to our next strange fact. All right. So our next strange fact I'm finding is about a photograph that was released. Now, remember earlier when we stated that in 2005, when the records of the government investigation was released, how they witnessed UFOs and they even took photographs of them? Well, in that information that was released, a photograph of one of those UFOs was also released. Now, this photograph was taken on December 11th, 1977 at 3.25 a.m. and is supposedly a UFO that the military officials encountered during their investigation. And we do have that photograph, and we will provide it on our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com. You can just go there and click on today's episode, and this photograph will be right there. And to be honest, it is an all-black photograph with just a white smudge in the middle of it. You know, after my many hours on TikTok, I have become an expert in video footage being hit by radiation. Okay. I did notice that when radiation did hit video cameras and stuff while they were recording, the image will start to get like very fuzzy. Mm-hmm. That image right there, not saying that it is, but saying like all these people and the doctor saying that they've been hit with like radiation. It's let's say the UFO was putting out radiation while it was flying by and you had a video camera trying to record something putting out radiation. I mean, it would come out fuzzy like that. Yeah. Not saying that it is, just saying something I noticed. I'm very skeptical of this photo. It just looks uh, like a blob. It does look like a blob, but... If you think of the general UFO where it's a saucer that has like the little glass top part, you could kind of see that. Kind of. You look very hard. All right. So let's get on to our next strange fact and finding. So our next strange fact and finding is about a military captain and the interview he gave. So almost 20 years after this incident took place and before the records were released, UFO researchers were looking into this case. They ended up coming across Captain Holland. This captain claimed to have been part of the Brazilian military during this period and was involved in investigating these claims 
and allowed the researchers to interview him. During the interview, the captain claimed that when the Brazilian military first heard about these reports of these weird orbs burning people, the main thing that the military wanted to do was to find a rational explanation and to figure out if there was indeed something of danger in the skies above them. However, during their investigation, they almost immediately began to notice bizarre things that did not make sense. For example, they noticed that the majority of the victims were women. Also, they noticed that the women victims would sustain injuries from the beams on their breasts. The victims that were men, however, would sustain injuries from the beams on their hands or arms. The captain also stated that these bizarre accounts were very common and that all who came in contact with these strange glowing crafts would suffer some form of illness. Now, when this interview came out, many people sort of blew it off as being, you know, like fake. However, three months later, Captain Holland's lifeless body was discovered. It was stated that he committed suicide by hanging himself with his belt. However, he never left a suicide note, and his family stated that he never made any mention or indication of him being suicidal. Hmm. Very odd. Very suspicious. Yep. So why don't you tell us about our last strange fact and finding, Dan? All right. So this last strange fact and finding is about continued attacks. So even after the 1977 orb attacks, multiple individuals in the area continued experiencing them. For example, in 1981, a woman in the area reported that she was struck by a beam from the sky. Days later, she ended up passing away. In 1986, two bodies were discovered on Crab Island. What makes this so odd is that the two bodies were badly decomposed by heat. Heat that couldn't be created by the sun, but heat that was more intense, it was quoted saying. Their cause of death was ruled as not known. Well, that's very weird. Yeah. Then in 1993, in the same area, a 32-year-old missionary worker and a 40-year-old worker both were hit with beams of light from a UFO orb in the sky. Both of the workers were treated with burns on the throat and chest areas. However, they both ended up passing away a month later. Very odd, huh? Very odd. And that right there is our last strange fact and finding. Now we are going to get into the fun part of the episode where we discuss the possibilities as to what these orbs could be. So this is our theories section. So our first theory that we're going to talk about is called military. This theory states that either the United States or the Brazilian military possessed a new type of military weapon. They wanted to test this weapon and figured that the best subjects were going to be individuals who lived in villages, that no one would believe them or would really care about them. Due to this, they tested their beam of light weapon on them and then collected the results. One of the captains involved in the mission leaked the information during an interview and was killed off, and that was made to look like a suicide, you know, Captain Holland. After that, the military put together a fake report that states that they looked into these orbs in 1977, but they could figure out what it was. This fake report was released in 2005, 
but the real one was kept secret, that they had this secret military weapon and were using these impoverished individuals in the Amazon forest as test subjects, pretty much as guinea pigs. That's our first theory. Mm. Like a radiation gun, or they had like this UFO craft that emitted radiation. They built like a radioactive reactor in a UFO craft and were testing it out by flying it over individuals. And then they were like, holy shit, we can't use this in the public because it's, you know, giving out multiple rads of radiation and causing them to have radiation poisoning. I do always look at the military or like the government doing these weird experiments. But after having read the Captain Holland's account, or like what he said, it'd be pointless to kill him. Or like, say if they did make him suicide, because he was going in a different direction with it, saying that it was possible like UFO. They were trying to investigate these weird crafts and all that. So if they wanted to keep it secret, they should have just left his ass alive. Well, what he said was that they didn't know. They investigated it. They didn't know what it could be. So maybe he was just a plant to get the people further away from the truth. People started saying, oh, maybe these are secret military crafts. The government says, hey, Let's insert Captain Holland. Let's allow him to do an interview, but have his interview turn the public in a different direction of, we don't know what they were. And then we kill him off to make it look more realistic. Or maybe he was part of a different branch of the Brazilian military. And at the time, he didn't know. But sometime after he let up that interview, he probably got closer to the truth, and then they probably snuffed him. Yeah. Okay, I can see that then. Rest in peace, Captain. Captain Holland. All right. Let's get into this next theory, Dan. Tell us about it. All right. So the next theory is called Made Up. So this theory states that all these reports were made up and part of mass hysteria. Oh, Aaron's favorite. I hate that. The news reporters knew that individuals would purchase or watch headlines that were sensationalized and about odd and bizarre things. So they ran with these stories, making them up. Individuals in the area read about them and got in their heads. What they might have been seeing was a helicopter with a spotlight or something similar, and instead assumed they were the UFO orbs that were being reported. Mm. Mistaken identity of, you know, helicopters being UFO orbs, and then the part of the whole sensationalized headlines getting into people's heads around the area. I can kind of see that. But what about people being burned? And That's the only thing where I'm kind of like, that's odd, you know? Maybe that never really happened. Maybe it was all made up by the news that no one really was burned. But the doctor... The doctor did say that people were burned. Yeah, it was like people that had chemotherapy treatment and that's like the weakening of the blood with the skin and all that stuff turning black and purple. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right, so let's get into our next theory, which is called real. So this theory states that these UFO orbs are real, that these are some sort of crafts from an alien race that is just riding around, you know, in these bright-ass UFO orbs and collecting blood samples from individuals in Brazil. Now, for what reason? I have no clue. This theory just states that these really are extraterrestrial crafts from another galaxy riding around. I would say that they aren't from another galaxy, but if they were real, that they were probably interdimensional orbs. And maybe these blood samples was to see, hey, where are these individuals at in their evolution process? They could do that. This happened in the 1970s. 
1977. The only thing that I could think of saying, like, if these are real UFO orbs and they're going around collecting blood samples, it would kind of fit in a little bit. Only reason I'm thinking, even though they weren't collecting from humans, Skinwalker Ranch. Mm-hmm. That happened, like, in the 1970s-ish. Now, they didn't collect blood samples from humans, but they were pretty much taking buttholes and all that stuff from cows and Jesus Christ, everything like that. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I was, like, trying to make a connection there, thinking blood samples, but this is, like, really the first, I mean, real thing of aliens or orbs taking blood samples from humans. Yeah. I, I have a theory, but I'm going to save it until we're done with our next theory. So tell us about this next theory, and then we can go into our personal thoughts. All right. So our next theory is called Destabilize. This theory states that the UFO orbs are actually another country that has a secret weapons and crafts. This other country is doing this to part of Brazil's population in order to slowly destabilize it so that this country can eventually come and take over. I have a hard time seeing this one only because if they were going to destabilize the country, they would do it to mass populace, not just a mass area of villages. They would do it to densely populated areas. Yeah. Like cities and stuff like that. Unless they were just testing a way to destabilize. Like, okay, this area will do this. Then this other area will do this one. Yeah, we destabilize this village with this tactic. Let's use it in this area. Yeah, so... Mm. I don't know. I sort of think... Now, now this is my personal opinion, because now we're going to get into our own personal thoughts and theories. My personal theory is that these were some government or some black project behind the scenes that's not connected with Brazil, not connected with the United States, came across some weird technology and they decided to reverse engineer it and they decided to test it and they weren't aware of the effects of it. They knew that it emitted radiation as a propulsion. So they wanted to test to see how it affects population. So they ran tests on cattle and animals in Skinwalker Ranch and around that area, which is why you had cattle mutilations around the same time. Mm-hmm. That's why the mouths, buttholes, organs were all taken out because that's where the radiation seems to collect at. So then you test it on densely populated villages that no one really cares. I mean, I say no one really cares about, but I mean... Obviously, the government didn't really care too much about that. Which is sad. And they test it in those areas to see their reaction and to see how well the body reacts to this type of radiation emitting from these devices. And the devices are these orbs, these new type of vehicles. But then they realized, oh shit, they really do harm people. We can't use them anymore. So then they created a new propulsion method rather than radiation. Mm. That's my theory. That back then, the UFO orbs had radiation propulsion and then they switched them. And this whole thing of people getting burnt was just the side effects of the side effects, radiation. Yeah, of the radiation from the orbs being tested. As we were going through this, that's honestly what I really thought is like, and after seeing that one image of what the military got a hold of or took a photo of, how the photo was like blurry and such, I really do feel like, I don't know, if, I wouldn't say it was the government, but say there's some group, some group out there that's advancing in technology far faster than, say, the government is. They're off the books of all government books. They're their own entity. Yeah. 
and that they're the one doing these testings. And honestly, having radiation propulsion, just think about nuclear fuel rods. I mean, you wouldn't have to change those for what, 18 months or so? Those are the non enriched, the little subs. You don't have to change those out for like 20, 30 years. Yeah, exactly. So, say you have like that flying in the air, but nothing really containing it. Cause granted, I mean, it's in a sub, it's, you know, kind of protected, but then you have all that water around it. So it's protecting everything else around it. But these ones are in the sky. There's nothing to really protect what's outside. Yeah. Well, it would suck if one of those crash landed. Pretty much got a nuclear reactor in the sky just crashing down and exploding. That would really suck. That would suck very bad. <laughs> yeah. But I definitely agree with you that it could be some entity group doing this, but I almost kind of wanted to believe it was true until the doctor was talking about the radiation and then the photo. I don't know. It just, because that whole blood sampling thing, it still throws me off. Mm -hmm. Like they had like those little puncture holes in their chest and they were the one guy or some of them were missing like 300 milliliters of blood. I mean, if they were testing radiation propulsion, what the hell took the blood still? The people controlling the orb, they wanted to see you know, how much radiation were these individuals exposed to? So let's collect a blood sample while we expose them to it. How do you think they, like, collected it? I don't freaking know. That's a good question. Shoot them with the dart. Knock them out. Pull the dart back. <laughs> Anyways, well, if you or a loved one are aware of any type of radiation propulsion crafts that the government or some type of company was in possession of in the 1970s, late 1970s, 1977, 1978. Send us an email. We would love to hear from you. Besides that, do you have anything else you would like to add to today's episode, Dan? I have nothing. All right. Well, that is the end of Operation Saucer. I hope everyone enjoyed it. If you or a loved one have been abducted or you have been burned by a radiation orb, Send us an email. We'd love to hear from you. But with that being said, that is the end of our episode today. We're going to do free talk on our Patreon episode where we discuss Aaron's very, very uh, lucky streak. Lucky streak? What are you talking about? Pretty oh. much sarcasm. Oh, unlucky streak. Yeah, I got surgery coming up. I was in the hospital this past weekend and I got another surgery coming up. Yay. So we'll talk all about that and other stuff. So yeah. Breast enlargement. Not Jesus Christ. <laughs> all right. Well, I want to thank you for joining us today. And again, thank you for your support. You are all amazing. Every single one of you. So with that being said, Dan, you want to roll us out? Sure will. It's okay to be out of this world with your thoughts. Because you are not alone. <laughs>